Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. Dental insurance is not the same as medical insurance, to be honest with you. Let's say dental insurance, you might have a maximum of $1,500 a year. But if you haven't been to the dentist in 10 years, you're likely going to need more than $1,500 worth of work done. And so the issue that we have on the dental side of things, especially when patients that have a lot of work that needs to be done, is that they, they come and say, well, I only want to do what my insurance covers. I only want to do what my insurance covers. And I'm like, well, you got to understand that your insurance is meant to kind of supplement what you what you need. It's not, unfortunately, going to cover everything. Because let's say if you, you say that you had a root canal, if you need a root canal, that's gone. I paid, I paid some money for that, <laughs> y'all. I did. And plus, you still need to get your crown. And you still got to get the buildup. So you've got to kind of be a little bit more proactive with your things. Preventative is what we always preach about and what we talk about. Get to the point where all you need to do is go to your dentist, you know, get your exam, get your x-ray, get your cleaning at that point. If you haven't been to the dentist in 10, 12 years, you're not going to need a regular cleaning. At that point, you're going to need what's called a deep cleaning, a scaling and root cleaning. They have to numb you and clean under that gum and clean all that bacteria out. So that's a little bit different than your free cleaning that you get <laughs> with your regular dental insurance. And the, the general population doesn't realize that. They don't understand what that means. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at nurse.org. Now, you know I love coming to talk with you because we talk about anything and everything nursing related um, and also other things about healthcare. And even if you're not a healthcare professional, this is for you because we're going to talk about things that are important for you to know as well. So on today's show, I wanted to highlight actually one of my friends and one of the specialties that I believe that we, especially as nurses, may not be as familiar with. I think it's really important, you know, we go through nursing school, we get, we kind of get ushered into kind of this acute care, hospital work and things like that. And then some of us will branch off into critical care, we might work trauma, so we might be more familiar um, with the specialty that we're going to be diving into today, but not all of us are uh, aware. So this is the episode where I really wanted to highlight some of the different specialties that we as nurses should be aware of, that way we can be better advocates for our patients. So on today's show... I'm bringing on my friend, Dr. Portia James. She is an oral and facial surgeon, amazing surgeon based out of Texas. She's also a mother and also an entrepreneur. She has her own medical apparel line called Fresh, which we'll get into as well because she's an amazing surgeon in this very, very specialty area, very demanding mom, entrepreneur. How does she do it all and do it so gracefully? Please welcome to the show, Dr. Portia James. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Dr. Portia, you know, like I was telling you, many of the folks who are listening are nurses and aspiring nurses, advanced practice nurses, and then other healthcare professionals as well. Now, I introduced you as an oral and facial surgeon. And, you know, that's kind of the simpler lay term that many of us are aware of or can pronounce, but it actually has a different title. It is, let me make sure I could say it, maxillofacial and oral surgeon. Did I get it right? So um, oral and maxillofacial surgery, surgery um, a lot of people might say OMFS if you're in the hospital. Uh, a lot of people will recognize those acronyms because it can be a mouthful. <laughs> no point <laughs> intended. Say to keep it even more simple, they might just say just oral surgeon. Okay, and that's good for us to know because, you know, in, in healthcare, we throw around acronyms and different names. And if you're not as familiar with it, you may actually get this mixed up or, you know, you know, so you might drop the ball. We don't want to drop the ball. So for our listeners, if you could first just, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your journey into becoming a surgeon and what it is that you actually do. Okay, absolutely. Uh, so first things first, I'm Dr. Portia James. I'm from Dallas, Texas, originally. I graduated from Xavier University of Louisiana uh, for my undergrad. I went on to dental school at Meharry Medical College. Um, my pathway was a little unique. I actually, after I graduated from dental school, I was in the military. So I was in the Air Force. I did a, a general dentistry residency in the Air Force. I was stationed in Mississippi, South Carolina. I was in England for two years. And really in England is, is really where I decided I'm definitely going to go back to residency and do oral and maxillofacial surgery because... Where I was, they only had one oral surgeon there, and that particular base, it's, it's a large base, it's really slated for two to take care of, you know, the active duty and the family members. But since they were short an oral surgeon, they allowed me at the time, like I said, I was a general dentist, to do like more oral surgery related procedures that I could do. Um, and I was actually even able to go to the hospital with the oral surgeon to do different surgical procedures. So I kind of like did it almost like a, a two-year internship, um, which actually allowed me to gain acceptance into oral surgery. So I went on back to a civilian program. I went back to Meharry Medical College and did my four-year oral and maxillofacial surgery residency there. I stayed on a year and I taught the residents. I taught the dental students prior to moving back to Texas, which is where I'm from. So I don't know if I'm crazy or what, but when we moved, I was about four or five months pregnant when I decided I was going to open this private practice, <laughs> open this private practice. You know, we were renovating everything during my pregnancy. When I had my daughter, she was about five weeks old when I started interviewing my staff and when we opened the office. So it, it was pretty unique kind of fast paced situation uh, that I did. And during that time frame, I had worked like corporate part-time and I worked in my office part-time in which when I worked corporate, that was something that I decided I absolutely did not want to do. You know, you learn as much as you can during that time frame. you gain your speed, uh, you gain knowledge, but as far as how I wanted to practice, that was something that definitely was not something for me personally. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Like I said, I'm, I'm married. I have a daughter. She's four years old now. So we've grown with the practice. So my practice is four years old <laughs> and she's four years old. So I had two babies at one time, <laughs> I like to say. You definitely did. And listen, that is a lot of work, y'all. You see how she just made it just like, oh, you know, I just, 
you know, yes, military, dental law, school, law, child law, of the world. Curly <laughs> had a baby, opened up a practice. By the way, I'm a couple weeks pregnant, but I'm interviewing staff and you know, and she did I, it so I mean, eloquently. Grace, I had my daughter in the interviews with me. She was in a car seat on the floor. I'm interviewing, you know, potential assistants and front desk people and things like that. And she's a newborn, so you know, newborns are just there. You feed them, they go to sleep. So she was just quiet there. And then, you know, like you might hear a little coo in everywhere. And I remember one girl was like, "Is that a baby?" And I said, "Oh yeah, it's just my daughter right here." <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you you figure it out. I have I even had my daughter in the office the first six months. You know, I have it because I had um, three rooms that were dedicated for surgery suites, but I had one that was empty, so I only furnished two starting out, and I had one empty, so I made that a nursery. So I literally have a rocking chair. I had a, a pack and play. I had toys and a little uh, the little mat floor mats. So <laughs> you have to make it work as a as a surgeon as a mom. Who else is gonna keep this baby? You're breastfeeding in between pa- in between patients. So, and it's kind of weird because, like, even during that, so I can only keep her there six months because when they six months, that's when they kind of start moving and crawling around and ah, ooh, and doing all of that. And so then the patients would start being like, "Is that a baby? Oh, can I see the baby? Oh, can I see the baby?" And I'm like, um. You're here for a console. We're talking about something you're doing. Y'all trying to see me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad that you're talking about this because very often, you know, and, you know, many of us nurses are women. It's predominantly uh, women in the nursing profession. Many of us don't necessarily have the courage or feel empowered to continue on our either entrepreneurial or educational pursuit when we find ourselves with child or we have kids at home, you know, we often say, oh, well, I guess, you know, this is my lot in life. Let me just sit sit down, raise these kids, then go back and do what I want to do. But you are living, breathing example that you can get it and still get, get it with the baby in the car seat next to you. I love it. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I got my water bottle. There's a, a bottle of milk, a pack of diapers, and then my goodie bag. And let's go. Let's get yep. it. But, and I, and you know, and I applaud that because many people who are listening are going to be helped and healed by that because they're sitting there thinking like, man, I can't apply to nursing school or man, I can't start this business because my daughter or my son or my twins or whatever the case may be are only six months it, old or I'm pregnant. Yeah. I, I truly, I truly believe that it takes the village. I know that's very, you know, old school thinking, but it, it really, really, really does because had I stayed in Tennessee, I don't think I would have been able, been able to do the things that I was able to do. You know, my, luckily, thank God, my parents are still alive and healthy and able. So it, it really helps to, I was able to move a little bit closer to home. Now, if you're familiar with DFW, DFW is so massive. I'm in Frisco, Texas, which is very north of Dallas. My parents are in the southern sector of Dallas. So it's a good 45 minutes to an hour commute. But when you're in a crunch or you're in a pinch and you, they need to come up here or if I need to take the baby there, you know, I'm, I'm able to do that if necessary. So, you know, thankfully to I'm so thankful to be able to have family that's here and that's able to help me if needed. Yes, that is extremely helpful. Many of us are we're familiar with the dentist, right? We make our dentist appointment. We go in. It's usually non-emergent, although it can feel like an emergency sometimes. Guys, make sure you get your dental checkups, by the way. When we think of a dentist, we think of outpatient or when we have patients that come in for, let's say, shoulder surgery. Then they complain, oh, my tooth hurts. 
many of the times I've heard physicians or, you know, nurses or APNs say, you know, follow up when you get discharged, follow up with your dentist for these things. But there are some things that are actual emergencies or someone may be a, a trauma patient and, you know, these things actually supersede and need to attention right away. So can you talk about some of those things uh, that we as, especially nurses who maybe are in the hospital, uh, what are some of those things that we really need to be aware of and attentive of that can't wait till someone gets discharged? So first things first, I always like to say, especially with their notorious in residency, a toothache is not necessarily an emergency. You're uncomfortable, of course, but that's something that you can see your dentist follow up with them for that toothache. If you need a filling, if you need a root canal, they're able to do that. You can't do anything really in an emergency room setting for something like that, unless they are set up where they have, let's say, a, a general practice residency or some type of general dentistry residency set up in that hospital, which most hospitals do not. That's very rare to find. But let's say, for example, someone is coming in with facial swelling, or let's say they're so swollen where they're short to breath or they might have a hot potato voice or a mumble voice or something like that, then that's something that needs to be investigated because you should not show up somewhere with your face like this. Um, something's going on. Some type of infection, pro infectious process has started. And a lot of times it usually is the result of dental decay, broken tooth, infected tooth for whatever reason. Wisdom teeth are notorious for this. And that's why a lot of oral surgeons you'll see will tell them, especially when they're young and they're teenagers, we try to get those wisdom teeth out as soon as we can. Because honestly, number one, it's an easier procedure when they're young and they just kids, they're young, they're teenagers. They bounce back any surgery that, you know, a young person that's healthy has, they're going to bounce back relatively easier than someone that's 40 plus years old. So you know, facial swelling definitely needs to be investigated. Depending on where you are, let's say if you're in a rural hospital or whatnot, at least hopefully everybody has access to a CT scan, do a head and neck CT scan, um, or at least a maxillofacial where it might be from the orbit down to the jaw and get a CT scan. Sometimes we say with and without contrast to see what's going on because if an abscess or something is present, then you'll be able to see it a little bit better with the contrast. But if, let's say if you're not there, at least get, um, hopefully you can get what's called a panoramic x-ray and that can kind of show a little bit more about what's going on too. The only thing that, and I remember I would see this a lot, like let's say if they get CT scans or if they get a panel, the radiographic report would always say something like, you know, periapical radiolucency, periapical radiolucency. And basically that means is that they see a spot that's on the base of the tooth, at the root of the tooth, something's going on. That doesn't always mean an infection. That doesn't always mean an emergency. So when you see that some people just have chronically bad teeth, they just haven't seen a dentist in several years. They have a lot of broken teeth, decayed teeth. They do need treatment. They need to see a dentist or an oral surgeon in an outpatient setting. But if, but if they're swollen, or if they're draining, if some actively they're actively draining pus, um, then we might need to see them in the emergency room to do, you know, what's called an incision and drainage. Or we might need to take them to the operating room, depending on how severe it is. And the way that we determine if we're going to do it right there in the ED, or if we're going to take them to the OR, of course, hopefully that the ED staff has at least drawn up some preliminary labs, CBC, BMP on them, so we can see what their white county is, 
see if they have a left shift or something like that, what's going on. So if they're actively infected and, you know, they look bad, they feel bad, they are fever, they're lethargic, they haven't been able to eat in two or three days, so they're dehydrated. All of these things are going to exacerbate those symptoms. And then especially if they work outside, how often do you see those construction workers <laughs> coming in? They've been, especially in Texas, it's hot. That heat is sitting on them all day. And so it just makes things blow up fast. So, yeah, I always say I always like to get the preliminary CBC BMP on them. Um, of course, we're going to do a medical history on them, see what's going on. Diabetics, especially uncontrolled diabetics, you already know they're, they're going to have poor wound healing. So um, an infection on them is going to be a little bit different than someone that's a healthy person. I've seen several times where we had to take, you know, a, someone with A1C of 14 or 15, we have to, they're probably going to get admitted. Um, so it's, I've had some cases where the infections were so bad. We've, we've had them in the hospital for two weeks, started from a tooth, started from bad, you know, bad tooth. And so we got to take them to the, take them to the OR, drain them one, two times, multiple times, take out the bad teeth that are infected in the hospital and then try to get them to the point where, you know, they're, they're pretty stable to, to finally go back. So counseling them, you know, of course, okay, we've got you, we've gotten you stable. We've taken out the, the super bad teeth. Now that we're able to discharge you, follow up with your dentist, find someone that you can trust that you can see regularly so that this doesn't happen again. Cause I don't want to see you again. I know I like, I love my patients, but y'all don't really want to see me. <laughs> I always say that. I always say people don't want to see me unless we're doing something fun. We're doing Botox, we're doing fillers, something like that. But if they, if it has to be some oral surgery related stuff, they're like coming in looking like this, just mad. <laughs> it's mad. And I have to tell them that I'm like, but I mean, but if you're seeing me, it's cause we got to do something. Okay, now I'm, I have a question and I kind of feel silly asking it, but I know I'm not the only one. Um, uh -huh. So let's say, because I've, I've worked in ED and mm -hmm. there are different levels of trauma. For those of you who are listening and may not be aware, there are different levels mm -hmm. of trauma. So your mm -hmm. specialty may not be readily available to a patient when they come to the emergency room. What do we do then? It depends on what you're comfortable doing or what or who's there comfortable seeing you. Or sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the things that we do overlap with ENT also. So ENT would probably know, they, they should know how to do an incision and drainage. And so at least something like that can be done. The whole point is of the incision and drainage is to release that pressure that has built up, create an incision where that drain, that pus can drain out. And that in itself if you're able to at least do that, now it depends on where it is. Now, I'm not saying if you have Ludwig's angina where they're, they're swollen on both sides and on the inside of the throat, that's a different story. Y'all need to transfer. Right. transfer. Airway, <laughs> airway, hello. Or airway, absolutely. I always say we have different facial uh, spaces infections. So we have a primary and then you have a secondary. So primary would be like, let's say, if you have a little, a little abscess on the inside of the gum. That's there where it's probably like, I guess I can put my finger here. Like, let's say it's just kind of on the inside there where you can put your finger in there and you can, it fluctuates. Your finger goes like that when you press it. Spongy, maybe. Kind of if you, exactly. So, okay. If it's just kind of localized in that particular area, 
Sometimes you might need to just give them a little local anesthesia there, lidocaine or um, carbocaine or something like that. Just kind of give them a little anesthesia, make an incision in that, that vestibule there and just press. Allow for that exudate to come out and be expressed until they're able to follow up with someone. That's if you're comfortable doing that. If you're not, like I said, always consider getting maybe ENT or even uh, facial plastics on board as well if, if you have someone that's on staff at the hospital. And they should be walking away with some antibiotics with that too, right? Absolutely. Do, okay. Absolutely. If you I wanted get, to say that for those who are listening. You're not, if you're not eliminating the source of infection, which is more than likely an infected tooth, it's going to come back. So that too has to come out. It's, it's just a matter of when we're going to be able to do it. And most hospitals, especially if OMFS is not on service there, they're not going to have forceps. They're not going to have dental tools and things like that that you need. So, But everybody has a scalpel. and Everybody has some, some Kelly forceps uh, to go in there and open that area up to drain. That was some good information uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, we as, as nurses definitely want to advocate. And while we, you know, usually work with physicians who are really on it, sometimes people get tired and have so many patients. It's like, hey, can I get mm-hmm. this? Can I get that? Let's just make sure that we all collectively are working to get the patient what they need. Yeah. And just a side note, for those of you who may not be aware, because I know we, we say these acronyms so easily. You said ENT, so ears, nose, and throat, yes. uh, doctor, for, for those of you who were like, what was that? And you know what? I think I've worked at hospitals that have always had ENT. Are those available at every hospital, especially like an emergency room situation? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Of course, in a major major city, yes. Okay. In a major city. I think in order to have, especially if you're level one trauma, you have to have pretty much everybody. You got everything. Level one, you have everyone. Level two, I think they take away certain ones. You might not have everyone, but you're going to have the major players. That's where the issues arise. And I mean, even if we can just get someone in, you can just get an IV going, get them some IV antibiotics. At least you'll even notice with the IV antibiotics that can kind of start helping that infection as well. I am going to call out some folks. I'm not going to say where, but there are some, some of y'all work with providers like this. And some of y'all may be the nurse like this. Patient comes in and has these issues. You identify it and you give them a script and you're like, okay, feel this knowing that this may be someone who's transient, homeless, doesn't have yeah. access to even fill the prescription, yeah. start them with some well, IV antibiotics and about that's some something. So <laughs> I trained at Nashville General Hospital. So we were notorious. We had a lot of homeless. We had a lot of indigent patients. Uh, we always say uninsured, underserved. So, you know, you, you we try to do something for them. Like I said, if, if I'm able, if we were able to do it, if we'll muster up, we'll put together a kit. If we need to get them some IV antibiotics going, numb them, drain them real quick. Or if I can, if the tooth was loose enough to take out at that time, we'll we'll try to do that just to get them out of pain, get this infection possibly cleared up because they might not follow up. <laughs> you might not see them ever again until this infection blows up on them once again. Right. Then they're coming in septic. And yes. just so, I mean, let's just reminder, I really dislike the word non-compliant. I'll use the word non-adherence because mm-hmm. it could be a financial issue, oh, a transportation issues. That's yeah, always so- a motivating force. That's always a motivating force on whether they're going dis- to say yes or no to a procedure. And, you know, because a lot of times in the hospital, they don't know what anything costs. They're going to be like, well, how much is that? You, you don't really know like that in the hospital. So it's kind of different. Right. And even overall, because some people who are listening, 
when's the last time you went to the dentist? You know, they'll, they'll pay to go to get their physical or when something's bothering them. I think there's room for improvement when it comes to all of us staying on top of our dental. Yeah. Now I go twice a year and it's more frequent if mm -hmm. I have an issue because I did have a root canal done, but some people don't pay to go to the dentist because they yeah. feel like, oh, this is expensive. It's not necessary. And oh, don't think like yeah. that. It is very necessary. Yeah. You got to eat. You got to talk. You have to swallow. Mm -hmm. Like some mm -hmm. fundamentals that you don't recognize. And if you have oral pain, that's yeah. going to significantly influence your quality of life, your productivity, your attention mm -hmm. span, so mm -hmm. many things. Absolutely. It's, it's very important to go. And, and we'll, you know, I try to educate patients. Dental insurance is not the same as medical insurance, to be honest with you. Let's say dental insurance, you might have a maximum of $1,500 a year. But if you haven't been to the dentist in 10 years, you're likely going to need more than $1,500 worth of work done. And so the issue that we have on the dental side of things, especially when patients that have a lot of work that needs to be done, is that they, they come and say, well, I only want to do what my insurance covers. I only want to do what my insurance covers. And I'm like, well, you got to understand that your insurance is meant to kind of supplement what you what you need. It's not, unfortunately, going to cover everything, because let's say if you, you say you had a root canal, if you need a root canal, that's gone. I paid, I paid some money for that. <laughs> no, I and plus, you still need to get your crown. And you still got to get the buildup. So you've got to kind of be a little bit more proactive with your things. Preventative is what we always preach about and what we talk about. Get to the point where all you need to do is go to your dentist, you know, get your exam, get your x-ray, get your cleaning at that point. If you haven't been to the dentist in 10, 12 years, you're not going to need a regular cleaning. At that point, you're going to need what's called a deep cleaning, a scaling and root cleaning. They have to numb you and clean under that gum and clean all that bacteria out. So that's a little bit different than your free cleaning that you get <laughs> with your regular dental insurance. And the, the general population doesn't realize that. They don't understand what that means. They think somebody's just trying to get some money off of them. And I'm like, I'm sure your dentist is not trying to make more money. They're just trying to make your mouth more healthy because if you have gum disease, that could lead to heart disease. That could lead to low birth weight babies. And things like that. So it's very, very important to, to clean your mouth. Your mouth is so close to your brain. <laughs> and you hit the nail on the head there. That deep cleaning. Because at first I was like, what is this? But listen, it was what I needed. And let's be honest. We just came out of, well, we're still in the pandemic. Yes. I mean, COVID <laughs> is still here. But how many of us, you know, we didn't go at all. Even those of us that usually go didn't go during that period of time. You know how much buildup? Yes. And then not on top of that, you've been walking around with this mask. So you've been mouth breathing. So your mouth has been drier. So that's that plaque and that stuff is sticking a little bit more. And then if you're a smoker on top of that, it's even worse. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's mask mouth is real. This has got to be some really, really busy work. And you, you know, you're probably on call getting called all kind of crazy mm -hmm. hours for these type of things in the hospital. And by the way, she has about facial, which is her private practice. So My listen, y'all, she's in the hospital. <laughs> she got, she has a private practice, which she talked a little bit about earlier. She's also a mom. So she's juggling that. But before we let her go, we, I got to talk about this because she also is an entrepreneur and the owner of Fresh, uh, yeah. which is a medical apparel line, I believe. So Dr. Portia, tell us a little bit about that as well. So Fresh by Dr. Portia is a medical apparel line, luxury medical apparel line that I created. It's something I've actually been working on for quite some time. So it's not something, it might seem like it just kind of happened overnight, 
but it really did not. It, it's something I had kind of started working on and designing and learning how to kind of sketch. I had to learn how to be a fashion designer pretty much during, during residency. And anyone that knows me personally knows that I've always been into fashion. I've always been into beauty, makeup, things like that. That's just me. And, and that's kind of like why I like oral and maxillofacial surgery, because I can kind of bridge the things that I enjoy. I like oral surgery. I like dentistry. I like medicine. Oral surgery is like the great combination between medicine and dentistry. But I'm able to do a lot of beauty. I'm able to reconstruct people. I'm able to make them feel good on the inside and make them feel good on the outside. And so my caveat to that is with my medical apparel line, I'm actually able to work with other healthcare professionals by making them feel good and making them feel beautiful. We started out with the couture white coats. I had a soft launch. I had a birthday party. I just turned 40. So I had a, a 40, I was, I could call it 40 fresh birthday. And it's fresh, it's P-H-R-E-S-H, fresh instead of the F-R-E-S-H. And so when you think of fresh, you always think of, you know, dentistry, fresh breath, you know, fresh minty, fresh, things like that. So my daughter's name is Farah, and it's P-H-A-R-R-A-H. So I'm merging the two loves for my daughter, Farah, fresh, uh, together. So that's where the P-H-R-E-S-H comes from. So it's merging that dentistry together. And plus fresh, when you think of being fresh, you think of being stylish, you think of being fly. So that's kind of what we are all about. We're all about making people feel good, feel beautiful, and just feel fresh. <laughs> so but yes, absolutely. The white coats that we have out, if you want to join our group, we have a Facebook group, my Scrub Life Facebook group, kind of know about it. We did a soft launch in January. I still have it where if you go on our website, you can join our VIP list for our official launch. I displayed the coats uh, for my launch party, my soft launch party slash birthday party that we did. So I think people were really looking forward to wearing them. They're very, very unique. They're not going to be your typical white coats that you will find, you know, in the scrub stores and things like that. These are very, very different. Everything is customized. Everything is branded. Everything is just fly. I'm sorry. I just got to say that. (laughs) We want to look fly while we're providing excellent care to our our patients. Yes, absolutely. So when you look good, you feel good and you do good. Dr. Portia, where can people... um, keep up with you, follow you, you know, all of the different things and businesses you got going on. (laughs) Absolutely. So you can always find me on on all social media platforms at Dr. Portia. That's D-R-P-O-R-C-H-I-A. If you're interested in more about the practice, uh, we're at About Face Surgery and uh, Fresh by Dr. Portia is at Fresh P-P-E-P-R-P-H-R-E-S-H-P-P-E on social media, especially Instagram is where we're the most active. So fresh PPE at Dr. Portia. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Portia. It's always a treat and a pleasure to speak with uh, with you. And I'm so proud of, of the work that you're doing. And you guys, make sure to connect and follow up with Dr. Portia about facial surgery. You know, she has her fresh medical apparel. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Make sure you follow her. And guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Ask Ourselves podcast. I love chatting with you guys. And hey, share this episode with a friend, a colleague, a classmate, or if it's just someone you just love, because sharing is caring. And also leave a review, rate the podcast. Let us know what you think. And you can email us any ideas or suggestions you have at nursealice at nurse.org. And so until next time, guys, make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. 
Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.